You're listening to teaching from the Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Bob Goff tells a story of in his book, Everybody Always, of how he read a children's book about a bucket. And basically the premise is, is you'll become what you put into your bucket. And so if you put hate into your bucket, then you'll become bitter. If you put selfishness into your bucket, then you'll become selfish. If you put the cowboys in your bucket, then you'll be disappointed and heartbroken. Amen. If you put love into your bucket, you'll be loving. If you put self-control in your bucket, you'll have more self-control. Well, Bob began to think about his life, and he said, you know, I'm just on the run all the time. I mean, I'm running from this place to this place. I, like, I try to put both my socks on at the same time. I, I'm trying to tie my shoes as I'm running. I mean, I'm just all over the place. And, and as he talked to God about this, God said, Bob, you need more patience. And he said, so I had to do something drastic. He, he said, I began to carry a bucket around with me to remind me that I needed to fill my life up with more patience. And so he carried this bucket on planes and trains, on sailboats, on buses, wherever he went, in his business meetings, at the airport, at church, at hospitals. He's a lawyer at his law office in the middle of meetings. He he always came to speak in Austin, Texas. He's from California. And they wanted to come and have him preach at several of the services. And he said, yeah, that would be great. And then closer to the time, he realized, that's Super Bowl Sunday. He said, I don't really like the NFL that much, but I love Super Bowl Sunday because that's the time that I spend with my sweet Marie. That's who he calls his wife. And she, he said she fixes some of the most beautiful Delicious food on earth for the Super Bowl. And so he, he said, you know, I, I did my very best to arrange my schedule so that I could get back to watch almost all of the game with her. And so he goes and he preaches at this church in Austin several different times. He, he, he jumps into his rental car. And he races to Austin Airport. And he goes to drop off his rental car. And and, and there's two lines. And you can guess what line he picked. There was the fast line. And then there was the one that was moving very, very slowly. Well, as it just so happens, he gets into the slow lane. And he begins to get frustrated. It was like, God, I just preached several services. Just get me home. Come on, speed up the process. I mean, I've seen glaciers move faster than this attendant that's taking the cars. I, I, I can't wait to taste my wife's wonderful food. I just want to go spend time with my wife. I just want to watch this game. And, and he was getting frustrated. You, you've been there before, right? 
And then he looks in his front seat, and there's a bucket there. It's like, that stinking bucket. And it served as a reminder. And he even said it out loud. I need to put patience in this bucket. He said, patience, patience, patience. Lord, help me fill my bucket up with patience. So he's waiting and he's waiting and he's continuing to fill up his bucket. He finally gets to the front of the line and the attendant says, how was your car rental experience? He said in the past, he would have ripped into this guy and said, you made me miss my flight and blah, 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 blah. But instead, he said, I don't know what overcame me. But he said, oh, it was awesome. And this car was awesome. And you're awesome. And planes are awesome. And it's such an awesome day. He was like, I didn't know who was speaking. He said, but because he spent the last 25 minutes filling up his bucket with patience, amazing things took place. And so then he gets out and he starts working, walking to the terminal. And all of a sudden, someone says, Mr. Goff, Mr. Goff. And he turns around and it's that same slow attendant. He said, Mr. Goff, that was the most amazing sermon you preached today. Bob said, oh, if he knew what I was thinking before I filled up my bucket with patience, he would not have the same respect that he has for me today. We've been in a series, uh, well, and we're in a series in 2019 called All In. And we're talking about walking with God, about being fully committed to God. And last week, if you weren't here, we talked about distractions. Well, we talked about how God wants us to walk with him. He wants us to be his disciple. But Satan does everything he can to distract us from walking with him. We talked about the story of Mary and Martha. Martha was doing a really good thing. She was serving Jesus. But then she got distracted by the details of trying to make sure everything was perfect. She got distracted by having the scorecard, well, look what I'm doing, and Mary's just sitting there. And then we talked about how there's little birds, or we call them snatchers in life, those people in our life that try to steal our joy and steal our peace, and they try to distract us from what God's doing in our life. We talked about how just circumstances in life tries to distract us, that tries to crowd us, crowd God's peace out in our life and how we needed to develop deep roots. We talked about how much of our distraction starts right here in our mind. We, we worry and we imagine all of the bad things that can take place. We, we challenged each other. We said, you know what? We've got to be aware of what Satan's doing. He's trying to distract us. And, and the illustration I gave you last week was, a, imagine being at a basketball game. It's the end of the game. You're shooting the free throw, and you're at the enemy's court. And everyone's screaming and trying to get your attention. And that's what Satan tries to do in our life. He does not want you to grow closer to him. He does not want you to walk with God. But in 2019, we are committed... We're committed to walking closer with God. We are all in. 
We're going today, we're going to look at a story found in three of the different Gospels. Matthew chapter 19, Mark chapter 10, and Luke chapter 18. It's the story of the rich young ruler. Many of you have heard this story before. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and this rich young ruler comes to him, bows down, and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is a great question. It's a great question because compared to the Pharisees, they always ask questions trying to trap Jesus. And this man wants to know, what can I do to have eternal life? But before Jesus answers this question, he has another thing to answer. He wants to define what good is. And then this man called Jesus the good teacher, and it appears Jesus is good because Jesus always had good answers. I, I think this man has probably been around long enough to say, man, every time the Pharisees, every time people ask Jesus a question, he has a good answer. And I can't help but wonder, did this man think he was pretty good? He was young, he was good looking, most likely. We'll just say that, I don't know, I'm adding that to the text, but I'm just going to add it. He was wealthy. He had everything that you could imagine. I said, man, you know what? I'm pretty good. I, I think that's probably the way he felt. But God, Jesus makes it very clear. He says, only God is truly good. If you sin once, if we break one of the commandments, you've broken them all. all. And Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, and this is the story. If you want to follow around along, that's great. If you want to open up your Bibles, that's wonderful as well. It says this. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Verse 20. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed what? All of these commandments since I was young. I've obeyed all of these. And Jews were convinced that a person gained God's favor by their own good behavior. And this is based off of Deuteronomy chapter 30 when Moses delivers God's message to the Israelites. I'm not going to read the passage. <coughs> but basically it points out. If you keep my commands, my decrees, my regulations, if you, if you do this, God will bless you and give you the land that you need. And, and that was kind of the Jewish mind of thought. Hey, if I follow all the rules, then God's going to bless me. God's going to do great things in my mind. Jesus gives this man a typical Jewish response. He, he says, hey, have you followed the commandments? Have, have you followed the commandments? And now... When we talk about the commandments, there's many commandments, but Jesus starts with the Ten Commandments. <coughs> but did you notice how many commandments that Jesus listed? How many commandments did Jesus list? Someone count real quick. Six. Six. But I thought there was ten. Did Jesus have a senior moment? Was Jesus busy? And he just said, hey, he didn't have enough time to say all ten? I mean, he only lists six. And, and that made me think, why, why, Jesus, did you just list six? I, I think he did it intentionally. He, he listed 
the ones, the, the last six of the Ten Commandments that only deal with a person's horizontal relationship. That means person to person. If you look at the Ten Commandments, we can divide them up. The first four deal with our relationship with God, our vertical relationship. And, and then the last six deal with our person to person. We would call that our horizontal relationship. And this rich young ruler says, you know what? I'm good on the six that you named. I mean, I've obeyed all of these since I was young. And I stress the word all. I think this man believed it. Here's the puzzling thing. Jesus didn't say, you hypocrite. He didn't say, you remember that time when your parents told you to clean up your room and you gave them a little attitude? And you remember that time you rolled your eyes at your parents? You remember those teenage years? Jesus didn't say any of those things. Instead, he looked at the man in verse 21. And Jesus felt genuine what? Love for him. He could have really pointed out all of his sin, but instead he just felt genuine love for him. He said, there's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell what? There's our word all again. All of your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. This rich young ruler had a blind spot. You know... Me and Julie, we, we have a minivan. I, I know you're jealous. I, I know that everyone wishes they had a minivan. Now, only cool people have minivans. And not only did we, do we have a minivan, but we've bought more than one minivan in our lifetime. That's how cool we are. I mean, that's, that, that's us. In our first minivan, I, I didn't drive it often, but I would drive it for trips. And one of the things that I noticed is that minivan had blind spots. You would get onto the ramp, and there were certain things that you just couldn't see at different times. And people would start honking at me and told me I was the number one minister in the world and, and, and all kinds of things. <laughs> You've been there before, and when you move over and someone's there, they let you know they're not very happy with you. But, but this minivan had blind spots, things that you just couldn't see. And then we ended up getting a new minivan, and it had all these cool features, these things that we didn't even have a clue existed. But one of the coolest features that we got really excited about is it has these little blind spot, little detectors. I mean, it lights up on the mirrors, and it says, hey, there's someone there. There's someone there. And, and then when I back up, there's a little camera there, and it shows me, and it starts beeping if anyone's around. And I love this because it shows me my blind spots. And I think what Jesus does right here is this man that's so wealthy, that's a ruler, that has all of these great things going on in his life, he has a blind spot. And Jesus points it out to him, not with meanness, not with hate, like some of us might do sometimes when we're in an argument. We might say, well, you, blah, blah, blah. Jesus looks at this man with kindness and love. You know, I can't help but this, think that this rich young ruler expected Jesus to say, man, you're good. 
You've kept the commandments. I mean, God's blessed you with wealth. But instead, Jesus tells this man, go and sell all of your possessions. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And this would have been really surprising. I mean, I think this man's jaw dropped. I think the audience jaw dropped. And Jews forbade giving away more than 20% of their possessions. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? He was a tax collector. He climbed up into a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, and Jesus ended up saying, hey, let's go eat dinner together. Let's go eat some tacos together. And, and he ends up having, building this relationship with Jesus, and Jesus transforms his life, changes his life. And, and, and Zacchaeus gets convicted, and Zacchaeus gives half gives half of his possessions to the poor. And he paid back those that he had cheated by four times the amount, which I would imagine he cheated a lot of people. I I couldn't find anywhere else in the Bible where someone had to give everything away. This is a pretty puzzling passage. But something I want you to realize, the point of this story The point is not that salvation comes from an empty bank account. That's not the point. The point is this rich man had filled his bucket with possessions. And they had become his God. They had become a distraction to him. That that's what he thought about getting more and more. And that was what was most important to him. Your stuff will rot and decay. It will rust. It will fall apart. Porch pirates will steal it off of your front, front porch at any point in time. Your, your stuff, nothing is compared to what heaven will be like. And this man couldn't bring himself to letting go. At this, man, at this, the man's face fell and he went away, what? Sad, for he had many possessions. This is the only man to ever come to Jesus and left in worse condition. This, is, this man is sad because he was looking for a way to gain salvation and keep his money. Now, we're quick to criticize this man, but how many of us in this room have given all of our possessions away to the poor? Anybody? Anybody just said, hey, I, I gave everything away. I bet you have. No one else in this room has. (laughs) Many of us in this room, we we struggle with giving 10%. Well, God, you know, that's in the Old Testament. I mean, do I really need to do that? Is that gross or is that net? And and God, I just need to give what's on my heart, which, if I'm honest, sometimes it's the leftovers. But, but, But we're in church, so yeah, God, I give everything to you. Now I'm, I'm starting to meddle a little bit, right? See, this man had made his possessions his God. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for a rich to enter the kingdom of God? And this amazed them, but Jesus said again, dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. 
And Jesus confused this Jewish audience. They, they, they saw money as a blessing of God. Uh, if you had money, this was God blessing you and doing mighty things for you. But then Jesus gives this illustration. The Persians had something similar. They, they said it was easier for an elephant to go through the eye of a needle. For, for Jews, camels were their biggest animal. And they said it was easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. It, it's basically impossible. It, it can't take place. Now, now some have come up with a theory that the needle that Jesus was speaking of was the needle gate. Uh, it was a low, narrow gate after hours entrance found in the wall surrounding Jerusalem. And that if a camel, if you unpacked the camel and took everything off, that the camel could somehow squeeze through that. But from the research I've done, I haven't been able to actually find that gate. And there's many scholars that say, yeah, it didn't exist. R regardless of the meaning of the needle, the point is, riches can be a distraction. It can be an idol or God. It doesn't have to be, but it can be, and we have to be aware of that. The disciples were dumbfounded. If the wealthy, who God's blessed, can't be saved, then, then who can be? Who in the world can be saved? And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but not with God. If you have your journals, you might want to write this verse down. Everything is possible with God. Everything is possible with God. And here's the thing. Our works, our deeds, our money, they can't save us. It's only by God's grace that we are saved. Amen? Amen. There, there's a temptation to worship money in our possessions. We feel like money and possessions can give us security and I think Jesus is warning, hey, the only thing that gives us true security, pure, true peace, is Jesus Christ. Well, you can say, well, you know what? This isn't a problem for me. I'm not rich. But all of us in this room, we're rich because we live in America. And we look on a worldly standard, and all of us are very wealthy. You know, I was listening to a sermon by Robert Morris about the rich young ruler, and he posed a question that has haunted me. He said, whatever happened to the rich young ruler? Well, whatever happened, we assume that he died and went to hell. But the text doesn't say that. The text says that he was sad and walked away. Did the man ever change his mind? Is it ever, was it ever possible that he was convicted? Have you had to hear a message a few times before you were convicted? Now, I need to be very clear. This is pure speculation. This is pure speculation. Nothing's in the Bible. This is speculation that some people have thought, you know what, maybe this rich young ruler was one of these possibilities. Uh, the Apostle Paul. Well, we know that he was a religious teacher. We know most likely he was wealthy. Some people said, man, maybe this rich young ruler was the Apostle Paul. Maybe he eventually came, and we know he had this dramatic conversion experience. Maybe it was Barnabas, Joseph the Levite, if you remember in the book of Acts, that took and sold property and gave all of the money and laid it at the feet of the disciples. We know that he became a missionary, most likely leading him to being very poor. Now, some would say that maybe it was Nicodemus, and I'll explain his last name in, in just a second. But there are several different possibilities. 
Nicodemus, if you remember, he was the man that, who was a Pharisee in John chapter 3. Uh, he came to talk with Jesus at night. And he asked, or they, they were basically talking about being born again. John chapter 7, uh, he defends Jesus in the Sanhedrin. In John chapter 19, uh, he helps Joseph of Arimathea bury Jesus with spices. Now, here's the interesting part. Nicodemus ben Garen, who many believe is the Nicodemus in the book of John, had a famous brother named Josephus, who, is docu who documented history at the time. And Josephus says Nicodemus was the wealthiest man in Israel. He, he was so wealthy that he could support Israel by himself for 10 years. That he was also the youngest, richest ruler, young ruler at the time. But something happened to him. He sold everything that he had and gave it to the poor and spent the last 30 years of his life with someone else because he'd given everything away. One of his best friends just happened to be Joseph of Arimathea. And if you remember, that's where Jesus, Joseph's tomb was used to bury Jesus. Now, if this is the same Nicodemus, I, I, I have a question for you. If Nicodemus was this wealthy man, why did they use Joseph's tomb? Unless Nicodemus had already sold it off. I, I wonder if Nicodemus, did he talk Joseph of Arimathea saying, hey, Jesus needs a tomb, can we, can we use yours? Now, it was a pretty good deal for Joseph of Arimathea because Jesus only used it for three days. It was only slightly used, right? Now, I don't know if it was Nicodemus. I don't know if it was Barnabas. I don't know if it was the Apostle Paul. I don't know what happened to the guy. All we can do is speculate. But I will tell you this. I do believe that Christ changes lives. I believe that you can hear a message and maybe you ignore it at first. But then sometimes that seed just gets just a little bit deeper. And someone waters it. And then all of a sudden, God reveals some blind spots to you. So you know what? That's an area that I really need to change in. We believe that Christ changes lives here at Castle Hills, that he transforms lives, that he shows us idols in our life. So this morning, I, I want to leave you with two questions. Two questions. What's that one thing or a couple of things that are keeping you from total commitment? Is it sin? Is it success? Is it time? Is it pride? Is it your mouth? Is it lying? Is it bitterness? Is it resentment? Is it addiction? Is it relationship? Is it your job? Well, what is that thing? You, you fill in the blank. We, we talk about the rich young ruler and, and money was his idol, but we all tend to have things that are temptations that keep us from being all in and following and walking with Christ. And then my second question is, What's in your bucket? What are you filling your bucket up with? I, I want you to kind of ponder that this week. I want you to write down what God reveals to you. Maybe some of you are like Bob Goff, that you need to fill it up with patience. Maybe some of you need to fill it up with more love or more compassion. Maybe some of you need to fill it up with forgiveness. I, I don't know what you need to fill it up with, but God does. And I'm asking that you pray that you get on your knees and you say, God... Show me my blind spots. 
Show me what I need to fill up my bucket with. Because we as a church, we as a church are focused this year on walking closer with God. Amen? Amen. This morning as we